then when life is done for me, let love be my legacy. It just occurred to me that one could string together a whole sermon or service just with song lyrics, right? There's such good messages and good theology in what we sing. We just heard a minute ago the choir sing these words from Reverend Gretchen Haley. You are loved in this moment, safe, whole, and loved. You belong here upon this earth. However tired or broken, angry or afraid, you are loved and you are not alone. I wonder if you know this, not just up here, but in here, because it is one of the necessities of life isn't it, to feel loved enough and whole enough that you can be present here to this life, to be open to what comes, trusting that you do have what you need for the living of these days. Of course, this can be a lifelong project. How many of us come to adulthood wishing that we had grown up with more love. How many of us were taught from an early age that the world was a safe and welcoming place? How many of us were encouraged to believe, as one song puts it, the power of the universe knows my name? One of the more important things we do here in this church is hold open a space where you can sense that love, both human care and connection, and also that spirit of love which, as I like to say, will not let us go. Many years ago now, when my wife Tracy and I were married, one of the prayers in our wedding said this, give them such fulfillment of their mutual affection that they may reach out in love and concern for others. This movement from feeling loved within to then sharing that love and care with others this is the journey that I'm thinking about today. It's the call to compassion. Caring for and suffering with, that's what compassion means, those roots, to suffer with. Caring for and suffering with those who are hurting and need your love. And it begins, doesn't it, with sensing that you have within enough love to share that you know how to do this. But it can also be fueled, I think, by your own lack of being loved. Your own sense of what is missing can drive you to give to others what you are also longing for yourself. 
I expect that most, if not all of us, carry some of both, that presence and that absence. The spiritual journey, which is a heroic journey, is to work with what you have been given. In particular, to sit with your own pain and brokenness so that it can, in time, be transformed. So that what at first might have seemed like a wound or a hindrance can become the fuel, the inspiration for your good and purposeful life. Some of you know the Catholic priest and writer Henry Nouwen, whose spirituality of the heart touched millions of his readers. He experienced this in his own life and in those he ministered to, and he wrote a beautiful book about it called The Wounded Healer. The Wounded Healer. About the transformation that comes when one stops running away from the pain and the struggle and starts working to do something positive with it. And of course, this is not a solo journey. It inevitably draws us into connection and into finding companionship with others. And I guess I should say something about the fact that this journey does not always seem possible for everyone. Try as they might, there are those whose pain leads them deeper into isolation. There are those who can only seek protection by building a wall around their brokenness. But still, I have to hold on to the hope that healing is always possible. As Helen Keller once said, the world is full of suffering and it is also full of the overcoming of it. But please hear, I'm not saying that the real struggles of depression, anxiety, and other afflictions can be somehow magically cured by saying or singing the word love, right? Thank God there are treatments available and there are caring people available. And if you are suffering, please ask for help. Love wants and needs to be shared. Love is meant to be given away. And when we feel loved and cared for, when our hearts are open and more tender, then we can look beyond ourselves and see the need that's all around us. Love does lead us toward compassion, doesn't it? One exemplar of this kind of love was, of course, Mother Teresa. And her compassion is beautifully articulated in one line, one prayer of hers. May God break my heart so completely that the whole world falls in. Compassion is sitting with those who are suffering and as much as you can, suffering along with them. It's not trying to cheer them up 
or talk them out of their pain or sorrow. When we draw near to those who are hurting, what we're doing is inviting their pain and their sorrow to come close into our hearts too. Not because we want to suffer, but because we're just meeting someone where they are. This is love in action. Quietly being present, not trying to fix the pain, just being present and attentive to it. In moments like this, you can sense the gift and the blessing of simply being with another person right where they are. And this is something we know how to do here, isn't it? Unfortunately, we live in a country and in a culture where there isn't much support for this kind of open-hearted brokenness. We live in a culture that makes us think, and I find myself doing this more than I would like to admit, but makes us think that if we are sad, if we are unhappy, to ask, what's wrong with me? I'm not the only one, am I? Anybody else have that? Like, what's wrong? Why? But the reality is this is part of our human condition. As an old song goes, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Along with the sunshine, there's got to be a little rain sometime, right? Cultivating spiritual depth and a stronger soul means accepting the shadows as well as the light. Trusting that they are related, that they belong to one another that part of anyone's journey is going to include sorrow and grief. Let's hear Rumi's poem again about love dogs. One night a man was crying, Allah, Allah. His lips grew sweet with the praising until a cynic said, so, I have heard you calling out, but have you ever gotten a response? The man had no answer for that. He quit praying and fell into a confused sleep. He dreamed that he saw Kadir, the guide of souls, in a thick green foliage. Why did you stop praising? Because I've never heard anything back. This longing you express is the return message. The grief you cry out from draws you toward union. Your pure sadness that wants help is the secret cup. Listen to the moan of a dog for its master. That whining is the connection. There are love dogs no one knows the names of. Give your life to be one of them. Give your life to be one of them. 
What if we understood our longing and our sense of incompleteness as a beautiful, heartfelt response to the call of the holy and to its absence? Why did you stop praising? Because I never heard anything back. This longing you express is the return message. Earlier this week, I read an opinion piece in the New York Times about the death of Russian political prisoner Alexei Navalny that really moved me. It was written by Nadia Tolkanikova, an artist and activist and founder of the performance art group Pussy Riot. Her piece is titled, Putin Didn't Hate Navalny. He envied him. Tolko Kanova, sorry, was friends with Navalny. She says, he helped me and millions of Russians realize that our country doesn't have to belong to KGB agents and the Kremlin's henchmen. He gave us something else, too, a vision he called the beautiful Russia of the future. This vision is immortal, unlike us humans. President Vladimir Putin may have silenced Alexei, who died last week. But no matter how hard he tries, Mr. Putin won't be able to kill Alexei's beautiful dream. Further on in her essay, which I encourage you to read, and I'll put a link to it in the sermon text on our website, Nadia Tolkanikova says she learned from Navalny that the way to a free Russia was possible, and they could get there through joy, laughter, and camaraderie. Her words and spirit feel so powerful to me because so often I approach what's difficult and challenging with too much seriousness and not enough joy. Do you know what I mean? Too much seriousness and earnestness and not enough joy. So here, one more paragraph from Nadia Tolkanova. She writes, people say Mr. Putin feared Alexei, but I think the reason he wanted to get rid of Alexei was another emotion, a darker, more sinister one. It was envy. People loved Alexei with his jokes, irony, superhero-like fearlessness and love of life, he led with charisma. People followed Alexei because he was the kind of person you wanted to be friends with. People follow Mr. Putin because they fear him. But people followed Alexei because they loved him. Mr. Putin clearly envied this appeal. No amount of money in the world can buy love. No amount of missiles and tanks can conquer people's hearts.
it's widely understood that there are basically two emotions, love and fear. We each get to choose again and again, but it's pretty obvious what the better choice is, right? Practicing love will bring us into compassion, which will stretch and grow our souls. It will, as Abby said at the start of our service, also break our hearts. Practicing love will help us to understand and to know deep in our souls that love is always stronger than fear. And this stretching will open us up to a fearless kind of joy, which our world needs as much of it as it can get. Can we be people with this kind of faith, opening our hearts to love and to one another, courageously passing through our fear of what lies in the shadows, coming into that place of soul strength and soul vulnerability, where we find ourselves surprisingly companioned by joy. Surprised to be companioned by joy. That place of connection where we find ourselves together in the same boat, at home here on this beautiful, blue-green, joyful planet Earth. Amen.